Thank you for tuning in to Church on the Rock podcast. We have a great sermon in store for you. We hope this message challenges you, builds you, and motivates you into taking the next step in your purpose with God. Enjoy the sermon. Amen. It's a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord. Amen. It's a good thing to praise God. But it says right here, because I was quiet, my sorrow was stirred, or we can say it increased, all right? And so there are times that, I mean, every day a person that's a believer in Christ ought to have a praise life every day. Every day you ought to give praise and thanksgiving to God. Amen. The, the praise and worship team and music in the church and, and this part of the service to God is just to help you know what to do the rest of the week. Amen. Every believer ought to have a praise life. Every believer ought to have a prayer life. Every believer ought to have a word life. Amen. And every believer ought to have a worship life. But worship is not singing a song is what you're becoming. Worship is what you're transforming into. Amen. Worship turns you into the thing you give your time to. I'll say that again. Worship turns you in to what you give your time to. And if you, if you are constantly focused on the Lord, that's what you're becoming. Amen. That's what you're becoming. Praise God. Hallelujah. So you choose what you are. I'm going to say that again. You are choosing who you are by what you give yourself to. Amen. You're choosing who you are by who you hang around. Come on, that word is good. If you, if you get in a word, it'll teach you how to live. <laughs> yes, it will. It'll teach you how to live this life victoriously, abundantly, successful. Amen. And that's what I came here to talk to you about. Amen. I came to talk to you about success today. <laughs> Amen. As you allow yourself to be pastored. Amen. Go over here to Ephesians chapter 4. And I'm, gonna talk, I'm talking to you. It's the Pastor Appreciation Month. And I've never taught these scriptures like this this morning, but I'm going to teach them. You need to understand the power of being pastor. I was talking to a young man yesterday. He said, I had enough church growing up. God didn't ask you to have church. <laughs> you are the church. <laughs> How do you have what you are? All right. And he said, I went to church nine days a week. He said, I, I slept on pews and slept. He said, so I'm done with church. I had enough of it. And, um, you know, sometimes people just don't know any better. And uh, the wrong experience, I mean, the Bible said, in the presence of God is fullness of joy. Amen. In the presence of God is fullness of joy. And the church is the house of the living God. And if God is there, it ought to be joy there. Yeah. Amen. It ought, to be, it ought to be peace there. Come on now. It ought to be pleasure there. Amen. You ought to be excelling in the presence of God. The Bible said heels melt like wax in the presence of God. There is no losing. There is no defeat if God is in your presence. Now, religion is something else. What he should have told me, I had enough religion. That's what he should have told me. I had enough religion. Religion is dead. It's practicing something where God is not there. I don't know what it is. It's rituals, you can call it. Religion means doing the same thing over and over again. 
Amen. As a practice of worship. Amen. But God doesn't have to be there. Amen. He doesn't have to be there. The house of God is where God is. And you have to worship in a way that um, manifests the presence of God. Your worship should manifest the presence of God. It really should. The Bible said when real worship takes place, or true worship takes place, and an unbeliever comes in, they say God is in this place. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Amen. Praise. He didn't tell me he had enough of God. He said he had enough of church. Yeah. Enough of religion. It's a difference between the two. Yeah. And you've got to understand there's a difference between the two. You can get caught up in religion and you wonder, what am I doing here? You can wonder, what, what is this all about? And it's really turned off a lot of young people. They turned off. Yeah. Amen. Praise God. <laughs> You're supposed to know God when you come up in here because you've been fellowshipping with him all week long. Amen. Praise God. It's supposed to be an experience in the presence of God where he speaks to you, where he strengthens you, he empowers you, he prospers you, he blesses you, he refreshes you, he renews you. Praise God. You should be on another level after you've been in the presence of God. Not that you was at church. Amen. And you determine that, how you spend time with him. Amen. If you never spend time with God all week long and never fellowship with him as a, as a person, amen, you never see his person in your life, he's a stranger when you show up Sunday morning. Amen. You, just don't, you can't start singing to him now. You can't start praising him now. Amen. Praise God. How do you talk to somebody when you haven't seen them all week long? How do you, how do you all of a sudden just start talking to somebody that you ain't seen all week? And that you don't plan on seeing next week either. This is about a relationship. This is not about, we're not talking about a relationship with church. We're talking about a relationship with God. Do you know him? Amen. Do you know him? Amen. Paul said, I'm, I, I, I'm striving to know him and the power of his resurrection. This is about knowing a person. It's about having experience with him. And most of the experiences shouldn't be at church. I'm going to say that again. Most of your experiences with God shouldn't be at church. Most of your experience with God starts tomorrow morning when you get up. And when he touches you in the morning, amen, you don't get up and act like that just happened. No, in him we live and move and have our being. God ought to get his first hallelujah out of you as soon as he touch you tomorrow and your eyes open up, praise God. And everything in the house is a, all is well in there. Praise God. You ought to jump up and say, it's working. It's working. Praise God. Hallelujah. He's working in my life. Now, most people don't want God until they're in trouble. Some trial or some pressure. Now, because you don't know him, you don't know how this is going to turn out. You don't know how it's going to turn out. But you know what? Your people can live all they want to. Tell me, I don't go to church no more. But your day is coming. Oh, yes, it's coming. It's just a matter of time till you hit that hard place. David said, I love the Lord. He lifted me out of my pit. You better have somebody ready to lift you. <laughs> that song said, when nothing else could help. 
Love lifted me. Or we can say God lifted me. Come on now. The Bible said, the Bible said everybody's going to have a day of storm. The storm is coming. But if your house is built on the rock, it'll look like you've never been through the valley of death. It'll look like you've never been to the storm, amen. You're going to still be standing because you know the one that is able to cause you to stand. He's able to keep me from falling and present me faultless at his coming. You got to know somebody in this life, and his name is Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. You got to know him. It's not about going to church. It's about who you go with. Amen. Praise God. Because Jesus said, I'll go to church with you. I will worship the Father with you. See, if we really had a mindset about what we are doing, it would change the quality of life we are currently experiencing. It will go on another, on another level. Jesus said, I come that you might have quality. I want you to have another quality of life. Amen. I don't want you just existing. I want your quality the time you spend in here, I want the quality of it on the highest level. I want your health on the last. I want you to have quality health. Amen. I want it on the highest level. I want you to have quality in provision. I want you to have quality in joy. I want you to have quality in peace. I want you to have quality in the people that are around you. I want you to have a good experience while you're here. I come that you might have life and have it on an abundant level. I'm talking about without depression, without suicidal thinking, without giving up, without shadows of darkness over you, without frowning and without being sad. I came for you to have a better quality. And it comes for you to live like everybody else. And you have to pursue his presence to have quality. I came to you today to read the 23rd Psalm to you. He said, you're supposed to be talking about every day, uh, goodness and mercy. Every day is a good day. I didn't have no bad days. Even Paul said I was in a storm, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. It doesn't matter about the trial. It's who's standing with you in the middle of the trial. I'm going to say it like the old folks said. If I'm in the courtroom, he's a lawyer. If I'm having trouble with my body, he's my doctor. If I'm having trouble with my mind, he's my counselor. It matters who's with you when you're in trouble. Even though I walk through the valley, I got somebody with me. I got light in the middle of the valley. So when they, when you come to worship, and I live like this, I live with a master all week long. I live with the way maker all week long. I live with the one nothing is too hard for him all week long. I got a reason to praise. I got a reason to say hallelujah. I got a reason to dance. My quality of life is on a different level. Some of you shouldn't even be here right now. But the Lord... He brought you out. <laughs> Some of you should have been finished by now. You had bad enough medical reports, bad enough financial reports, bad enough mental reports, but the Lord 
he brought you out. You didn't bring yourself out. You ain't the self-blessed. No, you're not. No, you're not. David said, the Lord is my shepherd. God brought him out. He's, he had to take off his garments so they wouldn't restrict him in praise. When have you just out, just, when have you just praised the Lord? And if he ain't done nothing for you, just sit still. If he ain't done nothing for you, he never helped you. If he didn't save you, just sit still. If your name wasn't on the hell's list, sit still. If you wasn't going to hell before Jesus, sit still. If you was going to make your way into the pearly gates without him, sit still. Be still. Amen. Praise God. Be still. If he never got the devil out of your life, be still. But if the Lord has done something for you. <laughs> Go ahead. See, I'm, I'm the Bible tells us. The Bible tells the account about the ten lepers. <laughs> they were outcasts because they were leopards. Leprosy is so contagious, it's so contagious that once you are diagnosed with it, they put you out of society. You are outcast, doomed to die, watching your fingers and limbs fall off as they rot away before your very eyes. It's a painful slow death. And Jesus encountered 10 lepers and he healed all 10 of them. Come on now. He's, he's without respect of person and what he does for one, he'll do for the other one. Come on now. You can't say, how did Lord bless them with that and not me with that? Amen. Praise God. You just got to get in his presence. But the Bible said they were going away to show themselves to the priest to declare that they were clean. The priest had to declare that you were clean so that you could be released back into society. The priest had to declare your healing. So they were going to see the priest so they can be reinduced back into society. But one of them said, we're being reinduced, but, but I'm not being reinduced because of what I did for myself. And we didn't get like this because of our own ability and our own strength. It was the master that turned this thing around. None of us have said thank you. Thank you that we're still on this planet. And thank you for every healing. And thank you for every open door. Thank you for every way-making place. Thank you for deliverance from every hard place. Thank you, Lord. And the Bible said one of them turned back and began praise to God. They said, Jesus said, you're going to end up keeping your healing. Whatever you get... If you want to keep it, keep praising. Keep giving thanks. Keep, keep releasing your faith. Amen? Because he's a good God. Hallelujah. It's Pastor Appreciation Month. You ought to appreciate your real pastor. His name is Jesus. He's the great shepherd of the sheep. He's been keeping you all this time. 
I was sitting down talking to Dr. Jacobs, and, and uh, we were talking about the different. I asked you to turn to Ephesians in them. Yes. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 4. And he and I were talking, and, uh, and uh, I'm talking about appreciating your pastor this morning. But I can talk about it because I had the same pastor for 36 years. And I appreciated him all 36. Amen. So I can teach on this because I'm living it. I don't preach messages. I preach what I'm living. Amen. How you living? That's what counts. See, if the, see the guy wouldn't have told me he'd have had enough church if church had changed the quality of his life. Then he would assess the value to it. I'm going to say this again. If church had done something for his life, then he would have assessed a value to it and still been a part of it. See, the experience of being in the body of Christ is supposed to add value to your life. See, I'm, I'm, I'm a pastor of about, I'm a pastor of manifestations. If ain't nothing happened, why are we doing this? Amen. If nothing's happening, just gathering, singing songs that go nowhere. Amen. And listening to messages that have no value. And fellowshipping with people that are going nowhere. What's the point of doing that? What's the point of doing that? Jesus didn't create the church to have no value. He said, upon this rock I build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You ought to come just, cause, just to keep the hell out. I mean, if it, I'm talking about a real church. I'm going to play with a church. You're going to play with a church, everything can hit you that's hitting the world. And nobody should have time for that. Nobody should have time for that. You in Ephesians chapter 4? Let's look over here and start reading here because I got another appointment later on this evening. <laughs> Pastor just looked at a watch. Praise God. I got to go preach at Pastor Randy's church. I get to go preach at Pastor Randy's church. And I think it's 6 o'clock, which will be 5 o'clock our time. So we on a time limit this morning. Look at what it says in Ephesians chapter 4 because I'm talking to you to help you so that your experience will have quality here. Quality. You can go to school 12 years and come out without a diploma because of the poor quality of the experience. Amen. And it doesn't mean they were teaching. You could be in a place of teaching but you're not learning. And because you're not learning, your quality of what that experience was supposed to produce is not there. You was in the writing class, but you still can't write. You was in the math class, but you still can't add. The quality of your experience did not produce the desired results. And the same thing can happen at a church. 
you was healed, but you still don't know him. And when you don't know him, then you don't know why you should be healed. Because you missed the experience that you were supposed to have while you were healed. And so, when I learned that the pastoral office, Dr. Dufresne would teach us magnify your office, not to make you something, but to improve the quality of life of the people that partake of your office. So I always taught you out of Jeremiah that your quality of life should go up if you're properly pastors. Don't think it ain't happening here. Because it is. And if it ain't happening, if somebody's passing the class, but you seeing your way out, effing your way out, then you need to find out what that person is doing to pass. Because the quality of life is what Jesus came to give to the people that came to him. I think about Peter's mother, she was laying sick of a fever and Jesus laid hands on her and the quality of her health changed. And then he would go into towns and minister to people because he's the great shepherd of the sheep. The Bible calls him the great shepherd. It don't call me a shepherd, it calls me, it, it gonna call me great shepherd, it calls me a under shepherd or shepherd under the great shepherd. Somebody told me, we don't call our pastors pastor, that church. we call them brother. And just said it real bold and real smart. Well, we're just going to quit calling the apple, apple, and just call it fruit. No designation between an apple or orange or strawberry or banana, just fruit. Give me some fruit. So we don't know what you get. No. When God put Adam on this planet, he started naming things. And he called things certain names. And names produce a certain effect and bring a certain meaning to things. You're not just boy or girl. You have a name. God's wanted things named so that you will know how to respond to what you are naming and how to treat it. Somebody says, oh, we're just all brothers over here. No, you're just all ignorant over there. Your quality of life is lower. Turn over here to Matthew chapter 10. I said Ephesians. But we might do the whole Bible this morning since you're messing with me. Turn to Matthew chapter 10. Amen. Matthew chapter 10. I'm here to help you get the most out of your experience. Amen. I don't have time to go to Jeremiah this morning. And... Um, Matthew chapter 10, verse 40. He that receiveth you, 
receive of me. So we just talking about you right now. He that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. So if you say I know God as Jesus is saying, then you have to know me. You cannot say you know God and reject me. He even tells us about brothers and sisters. How can you say you love God and you can't speak to the person in your own congregation? You a trip. The Bible said you a trip. I didn't say it. How can you say you love God, but you don't like his son or his daughter? You playing church. You're not reading your Bible because that's in there. And that passage of scripture is not active in your life. And it's affecting the quality of your experience while you're here. We have to do what he said. If we say we're giving him our life. See, I'm here because there's no better way to live. I already figured it out. I'm going to show you in the scripture. There ain't no better way of living. That's why I'm here. Now, I don't do nothing with no religion. I'm just, I'm, I'm straight Jesus. Amen. Because he's, he's a real person. That I commune with. A real person, just like you that I commune in fellowship with a real person that intervenes in my life. Amen. Amen. Not a spectator, but a participator in the success of my life. And if you let him participate at the highest level, you can't fail in anything. Nothing. You're going to be successful in everything you do because he's going to bless you. And put the blessing on your life. Yes. I used to sing, there's no failure in God. So he says right here, let me read this. He that receive a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he that receive a brother, since he said brother, he that receive a brother in the name of a brother shall see the brother's reward. Now I'm going to tell you, the brother's reward <laughs> <laughs> the brother's reward could be shaky ground. Because if the wrong brother, they won't rejoice with you when you're rejoicing. They're not going to esteem you higher. Amen. Praise. I'm just talking to you right now. But there's different rewards that come with different people. That's why the God says, don't you stand in the way of the sinner. Don't sit in the seat of the scornful. Because the rewards come with that, and some are not good. Or receive the counsel of the ungodly. That's if you want to live blessed. Because the people that you associate with determine quality. And the number one person you should be in fellowship with is Jesus first. 
He that receive a prophet in the name of prophecy receive a prophet reward. And it's a difference between a prophet's reward and a righteous man's reward. So God just doesn't call everybody brother. No, you have to recognize who that person is in your life. So I was sitting down and talking to Dr. Jacobson. He brought up some more scriptures about the pastoral office. I decided I'd share them with you this morning to increase your quality of life. Amen. Amen. Now, the reason why I told you to turn to Ephesians, turn there real quick. Turn to Ephesians real quick. Because people treat us, well, he's, that's my preacher. I'm not your preacher. I'm a pastor. I'm anointed to preach. There's no such title as preacher. You're supposed to be going in all the world and preaching. Preaching is an action. It's not a title. It's not a title. It's an action. It means to proclaim truth. Proclaim what is available in the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You don't have to be broke no more. You don't have to be sick. You don't have to be depressed. And tomorrow is promised to you. The devil just can't kick your door down and run through your Corona don't have to overrun you. People that don't have a quality of life with Jesus, their life is going to be totally distinct from people that do have a quality of life with Jesus. Jesus ain't come that your life would look just like everybody else's. I don't want mine looking like that. And it doesn't. And I'm going to keep it that way. That's part of your witness is that Jesus makes a difference in the quality of life. Your life, your lifestyle, the content of your life, the substance of your life is your witness. Has he ever healed you before? Then you have a witness. Has he ever delivered you? Then you have a witness. Amen. From somebody that didn't get delivered because they don't know him. Now it says right here, now in verse 9, Ephesians 4, 9, now he, Jesus, ascended into heaven. What is it? He also descended into the lower parts of the earth into hell itself. To pay the penalty for our sin. Oh, Jesus was so righteous. He didn't go to hell. No, you ain't righteous. You were going to hell. And so he went in your place. And he ought to just get praise every Sunday for that. Because once you go to hell, you ain't getting out of there. Nobody want to go to hell. I'm telling you that now. Nobody you know. And you don't want nobody to go to hell. Jesus delivered us from hell. And God said, I can't believe you're preaching that. You're just ignorant. You were going to hell. That's why he died for you. You deserve to go to hell. And he took your place. He took your place in hell. And the Bible teaches he went there. The book of Acts and the book of Psalms teaches he was there. He's not there because he wanted to be there. He said, Father, if it's another way, let this cup pass me. 
Don't nobody want to go there, even to pay the price for somebody. But Father promised him after three days and three nights. That's all you got to stay for the sins of the world. And I'm going to completely restore you. You're going to, go to, you're going to go from the lowest place of existence to the highest seat forever. The Bible said because he humbled himself and took your place and, and my place in hell and death. Now God is highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name and at the name of Jesus every knee has got to bow and every tongue has every name has got to bow he wants things named so they can bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is all of that amen praise God God raised him up to prove to you that he's a lifter because he was in hell for our stuff. Amen. Not his stuff. And God lifted him up out of our stuff and highly exalted him and turned around and set you and I next to him in heavenly places. He ought to get praise for that too. I know you got up this morning, you didn't feel like you were seated because you ain't read it. You got to read your Bible. And if you don't know how to read it, you ought to get a good pastor to teach you the Bible. I'm going to get to that. You ain't going to read this by yourself in the house. I can tell when somebody got a kitchen kit. Y'all know what kitchen kits are. It was when you fixed your hair, you went down to the grocery store and bought a hair kit and came back to the kitchen and fixed it yourself instead of going to get a professional to do it. And normally we can look at that kitchen kit. I say the same thing when I see somebody trying to read the Bible without a pastor, and then they start talking. Yeah. Kitchen kit. <laughs> you got this all jacked up, dude. You got this all jacked up. You talking about I don't go to church no more because you was raised on the kitchen kit. If you have somebody do your hair wrong for about 10 or 15 years, <laughs> you ain't gonna have no hair no more. <laughs> you gonna go through rehabilitation, all kind of stuff. Passing says self-esteem problems. Always got a hat on. Let me let me move on. Let me move on. All right. He ascended <laughs> into the lower parts of the earth. He that descended is also the same, ascended far above all heavens. Now, he above, he, he's above all heavens. And if you read the Bible and find out he's your brother. Amen. If he's your brother, when you read, see, people don't get up and act like Jesus is their brother. No, they don't. See, whatever you believe is what you live. If you believe he's your brother, you treat him totally different. He's the richest man in all of existence. And because you're in that family, you're supposed to never see a broke day. 
If you ever see yourself running out of money, you don't believe good enough. I'm going to say that again. You say, you have a problem with either ignorance about your place in Christ Jesus or you don't believe the word. You're never supposed to see yourself running out. Because I'm going to get to what pastoring is. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack. Lack is not supposed to be a part of the properly shepherd life. What shepherd would let the sheep just go hungry and stand there and watch it run out of pasture, watch it run out of still water? That's supposed to be the standard for your life if you're properly shepherd. Look what he said. He said he ascended up above, far above heavens that he might fulfill all things. He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, which means if you don't have these gifts operating in your life, you're not being perfected. The devil don't want you to come to church. Because there's a shepherding gift at that church. There's a shepherding gift there. If you're receiving from it. And all people don't. Because the book of Hebrews says, Obey them that have rule over you. Because they're doing it for your joy and for your good. We didn't ask for this assignment. When I see somebody asking for it, question mark goes up. When I see somebody pressing forward, intruding into an office that doesn't belong to them, the question mark goes up. I didn't go to Dr. Jacobs and said, I'm called into ministry. I was going to, to the house of God to learn how to live. I want to be a good husband. I want to be a good father. I want to be a good employee. I'm not trying to get a podium. And people like that bug me. And the moment they do it, I, st I tell her in a minute, that's trouble. That is straight trouble. One hundred percent of the time. Why don't you just be good at what you're doing now? If you can't even take care of your own household, that's what the Bible says. Let me move on. How are you going to take care of the house of God? He said he gave some these gifts for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry. Show me a person that doesn't have a past and I'll show you a person without a ministry. All ministry comes through the local church. All ministry 
comes through the pastoral office first. Standing out in the park, talking to Dr. Jacobs, he said, Keith, you're called into the ministry, aren't you? I said, I didn't even tell my wife that. I just want to make sure that I can live for God and take care of my family. That's what I want to do first. I didn't even know that was in the Bible. Pastoring is a whole nother level where you become responsible for a whole lot of other people, not just getting up preaching messages. We're not talking about messages we're talking about how are you living. Because you have to be an example to the flock, not a message to the flock. We got a great dynamic speaker. No, you're supposed to have a dynamic pastor. That's a dynamic speaker. It doesn't matter how much the message thrills you. If your family's falling apart, your body's falling apart, and your finances are falling apart, what good is that? Pastors are supposed to feed and care for the flock so that their quality of life goes to another level. He says, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying the body of Christ, so... Kenneth Hagin says the pastor's office is the most important of all the offices for one reason. Because it don't matter who comes in here in the other offices and preach to you, I will still be here. Pastors never move unless they get reassigned to a higher office, not a bigger congregation for more pay. Just talking to you. Can I just be real here for a minute? I got I got somewhere to go to, and it ain't to the Titus game. I know some of you got me on your clock. Some of you shaking sheep. Sheep don't watch football. I'm gonna tell you now. I'm just messing with you. They look at pastures. They look for green pastures. You turn a real sheep loose on the football field, he starts eating. <laughs> he just eat that. That's all the sheep. That's all that is to a real sheep. That's just grass to eat. That's good grass, too. Quality grass. All right. Look over here. This is what should happen to you when you're properly pastored. Turn over here to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. I was so scared to be married. I mean, I was scared. <laughs> it's a whole lot of people. Say, I, it's so many brothers scared to be married. You can start a you can start a Nashville choir with them. <laughs> you can you can start a whole ensemble. <laughs> Tennis. Uh, what is all the voices? Tenors, baritones, and everything singing. <laughs> Brothers are afraid of marriage. 
And I'm not just talking about African-American people. I'm talking about all of them. All of them scared. I'm just telling you, I see them all the time. <laughs> They'll have a girlfriend in a minute. Because the girlfriend is no commitment. Oh, you thought they was in love with you. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to bust your bubble Sunday morning. <laughs> that means I can leave you at the moment of inconvenience with no problem at all. Holla! That's no commitment in that. I can bump with you today and then bump with this hip tomorrow. <laughs> it's, it's a different quality in wife and husband than boyfriend and girlfriend. Because when you see him with somebody else, what are they going to say? That's just my friend. What you uptight about? We just friends. <laughs> the reason why we have so many, many men that just want friends. Because breaking up is hard to do. <laughs> I watched my parents go through a divorce. I watched my dad pack up and leave. I watched him walk out the door. I watched his second wife pack up and take the children and leave without notice. Yes, yeah, see, somebody said mercy. You need mercy after that. I'm watching this now. I'm watching this and I've watched it twice in the man that is designated as my father. I've watched it twice. The second time I saw him do things that I've never seen him do before because it so depressed him. I didn't even want to be around him anymore. I left his presence on purpose. For years, and when you have experiences like this, then I listened to my mom and my grandmother talk about marriage. It wasn't good. It wasn't good, and I was just sitting there listening. I said, "Okay, I got that." So I said, "I ain't never let the brother say Amen." I never, ever, never, never, ever, never, ever, never, ever, ever, ever get married. That was my motto. Anytime the subject came up. Let me read the scripture and I can help you. 
in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages and teaching in their synagogue. Villages, cities, teaching in their synagogue. And preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, now when he saw multitudes, what is he looking at? He's looking at people. But it's a lot of people. So what is he looking at? Where did those people come from? They came from families. So multitudes, he's watching families. And it's not a small group, it's multitudes. And he says this. He says, he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted. You can get tired now just because you're on the planet. You can get, it's enough trouble now on the planet just watching the news can make you tired. It's a lot of people, they're still tired from this election. They don't want another one for another eight years. Unless they don't like the candidate that's in, they want election tomorrow. They want speedily revenge. Hope you know our kingdom, we're not of this world. See, Christians get caught up in stuff that really is not going to even have any effect on their life because they're in the kingdom. And getting all worked up over when you should be praying. I will never take you in politics in this church because you already have a king. And his name is Jesus. <laughs> you do what you do every day, what you want to do. Don't act like it gets to the election and you don't know what to do. Because you've been doing what you want to do every day. This day is no different. Go in the pole, close the curtain, and do what you do. Now, I remember I went with Pastor Cynthia. I was teasing the lady at the pole. I said, I got to go in that curtain with her because I got to make sure she votes for the right candidate. I said, oh, you can't do that. And I started laughing because you took me serious, lady. Anyway, they were fainting and scattered abroad as sheep having no prophet. Prophet is a powerful office. Apostle is a powerful office. So is the evangelist and the teacher. He said, but deliverance from being scattered and having a toe-up house Office of the pastor is what we're talking about. Getting the best out of the office of the pastor. I was afraid to get married because I didn't want it to fail. I didn't want to see what happened in my father's life happen in my life. I didn't want to see what happened in my home happen in my home. 
Homes should have their fathers. Homes should have their mothers. Because they should. I didn't want to see that happen to me. And there was nothing in my intellect, it was nothing in my education, it was nothing in the church that I went to to stop that from happening. I heard nothing to stop it from happening. All the way through school and high school, all the way through college. There is no defense for the home. Just like it says right here. He saw the multitudes and they were scattered and they were passing out. The devil can put enough pressure on your home. It's just better to scatter. Yes, he can. That's why half of them end in divorce. The second time around is 75%. So if you didn't choose that good the first time, when you go back to the table next time, you're taking a test. The rate is 75%. Because the reason why it's 75% because you can see it going off the shelf. You can see it going all down the slopes the wrong way because you done seen this before. So you, just, you pull the plug quicker. The first time you, 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 you try to make it happen again. You say, let's do it again. Because sometimes you just don't want to give up on something that's got holes written all over it. And you try to fight for it. You try to keep it and make it work. Psalms 27 says, except the Lord build the house. See, that's why you ought to bust the door down every Sunday morning. Because the Psalms want to, except the Lord build the house. Ain't nothing y'all going to do in there to keep it together. Your sheets ain't going to keep it together. Your breakfast ain't going to keep it together. Being a good cook ain't going to keep it together. Being a brick house ain't going to keep it together. Harry Chess ain't going to keep it together. Bankroll ain't going to keep it together. He said, I saw the multitudes and they were passing out. Have you ever passed out? Don't be looking at me like this. You should have said amen. Have you ever just been in that, I mean, in that, pla in that place of marriage? And it's rough. Say amen to that, you married people. Sitting there like it ain't been rough in there. <laughs> you know it's been rough in there. A, Dr. Jacobs, and I was walking, he said, Keith, we had challenging days. Last week we were riding in the car. He said, we had challenging days. We had to go through a lot of things. We had to sift our barrel. We had to work and sift through our barrel. But he said at the bottom of the barrel, there was commitment. 
Anybody can stand in the easy day. I want you to see how you stand in the rough day. Ah! <laughs> the day you don't feel like going on. No, I want to talk about that day. Everybody can look like heaven, heaven, happily ever after. I ain't talking about that day. I'm talking about the day of pressure. How do you fail when it's pressure? Jesus' job is to help you in sunny days and pressure days. Pastor Cynthia loved me so much. I was in the valley of decision what to do with her. And God came to me and he said, you don't have to be afraid. But when it's her psalm says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of failure. One of the qualities of being passive is no more fear. It's over in, uh, in Jeremiah. I'm going to read it to you. I got to go too. I'm going to read it to you. And God came to me and said, Keith, you don't have to be afraid to take Cynthia as your wife. That's how the Bible says it. He says, because I'm going to help you. She's got some rough edges, but I'm going to help you. No. He says, I'm going to help you. And I believed him. He just talked to me. See, that's got to be a relationship is what I was trying to tell you. He just said, I'm going to help you. Because I wasn't going to have no girlfriend. That's trouble. Amen. This girlfriend-boyfriend things be trying to have marriage privileges with no commitment. Say amen to that. Amen. amen. The Bible said if you just that hot, you ought to marry. That's what it says. You can't keep your hands off each other. That's what it said. If you read it. Now you just you just going by the you just going by the seat of your pants, shooting from the hip. You're gonna get it. You're gonna get in all kind of trouble. I'm talking about being properly pastored. It will help you stay married. It'll keep your family from being scattered. If you listen. You allow yourself to be pastored. He said, Keith, I'm gonna help you. And the way he helped me, he sent me Dr. Michael Jacobs. Dr. Jacobs got up one morning, he said, You can have my house. You can have my car, you can have this church, you can have my money, but you can't have my wife and my children. I've been in church all my life and I've never heard a man say that. People try to act like their ministries are so important. Where they live is so important. Their money is so important. No, people are important. Jesus didn't die for houses. Jesus did not die for cars. Jesus did not die for silver and gold. Jesus died for you. 
So in marriage, the most important thing is the person. That's what he thinks. And if you're not careful, the devil will come in, into your marriage and try to devalue your covenant and the person you're in covenant with. Get you to devalue the person and then fight in court over the stuff. Instead of fighting for the person and letting the stuff go. The Bible said Jesus was able to save us because he gave himself, not stuff. The Bible says if a man want to keep his house, he's got to give himself. He can't give money, he can't give houses, he can't give cars. He's got to give him. I'm preaching real good now. It's quiet. You ain't saying amen, but we're doing real talk right now because you got a real pastor. You can have all that stuff, but you can't have my wife and my children. That's commitment. It was commitment coming from a real pastor, not a preacher. And it kept my home from being scattered. Because you can't have my wife. And you can't have my children. And now you can't have my grandchildren. You can have this church. It's people. You can have my house, because I'm going to get a new one anyway. <laughs> All that stuff is replaceable. When you marry somebody, that's the only one of that one. That's the only one. There's not another one. Pass down is in heaven now. Can't be replaced. I sit there and listen to my pastor. He starts talking about it. He cries every time. He's healing. He said, we had some tough times, Keith, but we had commitment. We were a team. Sit there and he talks about it and just stops and he just starts crying. Because it was only one. That's it. And if Jesus can help you see, there's only one of who you're dealing with and living with. It's one of the powers of life that you are the only you. And I'm going to make a covenant with you. And it's a covenant of good, it's a covenant of life, and it's a covenant for all times. He said, I shut down my whole ministry. I shut down everything because she needed me. And he could do it because he built a family of good sons. You go take care of your wife. We're going to take care of you. We're going to take care of you. You raised your sons with some sense now. Go take care of your wife. Finances will not be a problem. 
build a real house if you're going to build a house. Don't build a playhouse. Build a real house with some commitments. Get some backbone and stand in the midst of trial and pressure. You think you're going to... The devil going to let you waltz up into a house and live heavily ever after? I've been watching this for a long time. You need a pastor. You need a local church where you can bring your wife, you can bring your children, and be taught the word of God by a man of God in the pastoral office so that your family will be delivered of lack disappointment and fear and you'll be fruitful and multiply and now you're not going to pass out in a hard day and he's done tying up anything in your house because it's built on a rock and even though the winds come and the pressure and the storms come you'll still be standing on this solid rock I stand all of the ground is sinking sand I'm standing on the word of God and it shall prevail. You get a real man of God, you ain't got to be afraid of passing out. You ain't got to be afraid of being scattered. You're going to win. How you know? Because I'm living it. Pastor Cynthia was acting up at home. I said, come on, I'm taking you to see the pastor. Yes, I am. Gone in the office. They're waiting on you in there. Yes, they are. Oh, you turned me in that day, though, didn't you? She turned me over to the feds. <laughs> but it backfired on in now. Yes, it did. Pastor Diana looked at her and said, this is what you're going to be doing. Boy, we come out of there Monday morning with just like Pastor Diana said. I said, it's wonderful being pastor, isn't it, Pastor? Diana? It's wonderful being pastor. We ain't always going to tell you what you want to hear. You can just forget that. <laughs> you a trip. If we think you're going to tell you, you always write about everything. You are a trip. So don't even get in there. Don't even plan on that. Just plan on being mad sometimes. Because we told you the truth. Plan on being angry. Because we told you the truth. Just plan on it. Let me tell me you love me now. Wait till I tell you no. Wait till I tell you no. I told somebody you are. <laughs> I told them your stuff is jacked up. I ain't see them no more. And they always tell somebody I was mean to them before they leave. Pastor was ferocious. <laughs> All I said was no. No, I just decided that if Dr. Jacobs ever had to say something corrective to and he has. And it doesn't always feel good. I know that he loves me. 
was doing it to help you. And I decided I would never let anything come between us. I made that decision. Just like I made it with her. Nothing comes between us divorceable where I want to stand somewhere and sever the oath that I made I fix it before we even get there there's never a time that one mate is always right I'm going to say that again because we got some bosses in here some supervisors and yeah. bosses in here. I remember Dr. Jacob said if couples just fight all the time, he said they're going to get a divorce. You can't fight all the time. The Bible said there's envy and the strife and division and every, every evil work, and it's an honor to cease from strife. Somebody has got to stop fighting. And you have to get those verses of scriptures down in you to prepare yourself and let God build you up so that you are not scattered. I watched him stay with his wife. I watched them in disagreements. I'd be sitting, I didn't even know it was going to happen. I watched them in disagreements. I remember she was getting on him one day, and I said, you need to say something back now. <laughs> this done got to that point, man. She, she, she's really eating you up. <laughs> and you, I mean, she's been doing it for the last two or three minutes and just, just peeling skin off of you. You need to say something because my skin is bothering me. <laughs> I'm watching you getting skin. And then he said, oh, honey. I said, oh, honey. <laughs> Where did that come from? Soft answer turns away wrath. And immediately she stopped. I learned something. I learned how not to be scattered that way. That's the purpose of the pastoral office here today. Giving you pastors so that you won't be scattered. So that you won't be fainting. So that you won't be lacking. You can add to it now. Turn over to the 23rd Psalms. I got to go home. It's 12 o'clock. The Titans are kicking off now, but you are kicking off in the 23rd Psalms. You're going to keep your house where the Titanites are going to be struggling. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. Titanites going to be struggling. A football game ain't going to help you keep your house. I'm just me. I just, I mean, I just say I'm going to be there for my children, period. Ain't nobody else coming in my house raising my kids. It's your thing. Do what you want to do. I can't tell you. 
this is just me. I, I didn't want that to happen in my life. And whatever the word said I needed to do, I did. I remember I went to church one Sunday. I was so mad at Pastor Cynthia. I don't even know what she did. But she'd done enough. She had done enough. She'd done enough. And this is one of them things where you just don't want the person touching you. Listen, I'm going to tell y'all something. <laughs> Men ain't always after you. You could turn a man off, and he won't touch you. You be trying to dress all up, you still looking like granny in, a, in, a, in her worst robe. Because you done turned them off. You just look like granny with them curlers on and them rollers on and a grid, big old Eskimo house coat with a bad attitude and bifocals. That's what you look like. And he don't want to touch you because you got a, a nasty attitude. You know, they always at that body. No, no, you keep disrespecting me. He will not be after you. He may be somewhere else, but it won't be you. Say amen to that. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm trying to help you from being scattered. You're going to have strong families in this church. of the pastoral anointing. Yes. It's a home builder. Yes. Keeps people from being scattered. 23rd Psalms. The Lord is my shepherd. Now Jesus is the great shepherd. Then he puts pastors under him. And the word shepherd means feeders. You have to eat what we're feeding. If it were, for it to work, you have to eat what we're feeding. You have to eat the word. I used to take notes and take them all home. And I'd study, I would study, I would make notes. I, I was in the basement, my garage, and I stumbled across one of the notebooks from over 30 years ago. I would take spiral notebooks and I would write down what he said, then I would go home and study. I kept, I was eating what he was saying. It works when you eat. So you can bring a horse to water. You can bring a Christian to church. But he ain't got to take a note. You remember 10% of what you hear, 50% of what you hear and say, 90% of what you hear and say and write down. It's the job of the Holy Ghost to bring back what's said once you eat it. The Bible says Satan comes immediately and says, steal the word that was meant to feed you. Yes. He does not want you to say, oh, honey. He wants you to get all upset and join the fight right. to the point you go two separate ways and get so angry you're willing to give everything up to get away from that person. Divorce is real because it's in the Bible. real. It happens to people. My mother said Keith is like a death. 
person is no longer there at that capacity anymore. She was never mean to us. She said, y'all need to go. Always tell us, y'all need to go see your daddy. She would tell us that. And there's days I just said, I don't think so. Thanks for the offer. He's talking about me now. Everything's different. Everybody has their own special case and things happen. The devil wants hurt to take so place, so place in the home that you live scattered. And people that were born even out of your same womb you came out of. You have no relationship. The devil is a scattering. He's a scattering being. He does not want unity at all. And some of you are going to have to work through unforgiveness, bitterness, and hurt that came from the home. And then finally God told me, he says, you cannot hold your father accountable for not keeping your home. He didn't have pastors like you had. And I had to realize he didn't. Nobody kept homes in that church. Either you're going to lose your kids to the world, you're going to lose your marriage, you're going to lose your health, you're going to faint, you're going to lose something. Because the pastoral office is not being magnified. I'm so thankful to Dr. Dufresne. He told us to magnify your office. You take the mantle on that Jesus gave you. He gave you the ability to pastor as if he was there himself. And you minister that to the people in that church so they will be fruitful and they will multiply. Teach him to honor the gift that God gave him. Not to lord it over the flock. Not to be more important than anybody else. But take the mantle. So that the people can be refreshed. And so they can prosper and live a good life. This is what he said happens to the people that are properly passive. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. I'm being properly pastored. I'm done lacking. I'm done wanting. You need to confess that. I'm done lacking. I'm going to receive the pastoral office in my life. And I'm done lacking. I shall not run out. He makes me lie down in green pastures. I'm going to receive the word that's been ministered there. I'm going to receive the still waters, the outpouring of the Spirit that's being mentioned there. He restores my soul. I'm not going to lose my mind. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. I'm always being in the right place at the right time. Pastoring is going to help me do that. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I'm going to stop being scared. For thou art with me, and thy rod and thy staff comforts me. They comfort me. That's the word of God. 
And that comfort is the rod and the staff, is the type and shadow of the word of God. The word comforts me. I will fear because you are with me. There, thou hast prepared a table for me in the presence of my enemies. I always have victory when I'm properly fasting. Thou anoints my head with oil, my cup, I'm in the overflow. Amen, praise God. I'm in the overflow. These are the benefits of being properly shepherd. I'm not everybody's pastor. I know that. Neither was Dr. Jacobs, but he's mine. He's mine, and because of it, I'm going to live the blessed life. Because God gave him to me. Surely goodness, somebody say surely goodness. Good life is guaranteed. Surely goodness and the hasid kindness of God, the mercy of God, shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It ain't church, it's the house of the Lord. <laughs> it's the house of the Lord. And in the house of the Lord, there's that pastoring and anointing and it's supposed to prosper you all the days of your life. You just have to receive it. Amen.